Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we give you the ultimate spring game rundown, rapid reaction style, right after this. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. Alright, welcome in everybody. Uh, happy May, because we last time we did this was April, so we, our apologies to everybody. We've kind of been on a, a semi-hiatus, uh, finishing up our final semesters. We are both finally graduated, so huzzah. All around, I don't have any sound effects or anything to play there, but um, yeah, we're both fully graduated uh, from the University of Georgia now. Um, I would have thrown up some pictures of us at graduation, but uh, somebody didn't send me a graduation picture of themselves after after graduation, after I asked them to. Uh, speaking of that uh, idiot, moron, how do I how do I phrase you? Oh. My co-host, Xavier, Xavier Hood. <laughs> Welcome in, Xavier. How I you doing, man? On that one. I never got that email. Or I think I, it wasn't an email. It was a text. It was a text. I never got that text. Oh, but that's unfortunate. I guess we'll just blame verizon or at&t or whatever you have yeah never got that text all right well never mind i i apologize for calling you a moron and idiot i'll find another reason to call you that another time then so i'm good happy uh rested it's been an exhausting weekend but a good type of exhaustion you know finishing something for four years it builds up and then finally you're able to release all that joy and excitement. So it's been a good ride. Yeah, it's definitely been a good ride. Um, yeah, so now we're just all planning on what we're gonna do for the future. And in the meantime, we have this to uh, put our minds put our minds and efforts into. So we're very excited. We're hopefully gonna get, uh, we're definitely gonna be a lot more, uh, get, get you a lot more shows rather than once per month. We're gonna hopefully get closer to like probably two to four shows for you guys per month so this is going to be a fun time and so yeah uh the overview of today's show is going to be first we're going to touch on some transfer portal news on a few guys that we kind of find interesting we want to talk about and then we're going to get into the bulk of the show in which we are going to do some rapid reaction of all the different spring games that have happened over this past year and so with that we will go ahead and get into the transfer portal news so the first guy we have up here is Mike Woods, wide receiver from Arkansas, transferring to Oklahoma. So Xavier, do you want to go ahead and take this guy and give me your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, Mike Woods, Oklahoma, big shock to everybody in the uh, in college football and the college football fantasy community. Uh, primed up to be the number two wide receiver for Arkansas behind Traylon Burks, and now it looks like he's going on to Oklahoma, where honestly he could put push Marvin Mims for that number one spot. A more experience if he him and Spencer Rattler connect on a, a more productive level, then it could spell trouble spell trouble for Marvin Mims. But also, Mark, Mark Mike Woods looks like his his stock is going up. I hated this. 
I'll be honest, I hated this so much when I could, because when he first transferred, the rumors were South Carolina, and I'm like, oh my God, South Carolina, like, yeah, Luke Doty's not the best, but like, he would be instant wide receiver one there. I'd love to draft him there as like a, like a mid to late round flyer. I thought it would have been fantastic. There were rumors, um, so I'm trying to think of some of the other rumors that were going on back then, but regardless of wherever else he went, he chose Oklahoma and has put himself into, in my opinion, what's already a pretty loaded wide receiver room with Marvin Mims, with Theo Weiss. Got a little less credit with Charleston. Mario Williams, again, like you got a lot of great, you got a lot of great wide receivers going in there. And I don't know, I just wish he would have gone to a team where he could have stood out just a little bit more. Because this guy is incredibly talented. Like, let me give you stats from last year. 32 receptions. 619 yards that's good for 19.3 yards per catch that's insane this man is like the ultimate deep threat in the sec he had five um, on top of that he just had five touchdowns as well and he was he looked like he was about to break out even more like during his spring game we'll touch on this when we get down to this as well he and burks looked like the guys like they took him out pretty early in the game because arkansas was like all right we know what we have in these guys and so, again, that was what kind of made it the shocker when he transferred probably less than a week later, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, like, I'm happy for, I'm happy for Mike. Like, obviously, if he, if he thinks this is the best decision for himself, like, obviously, all the power to him. But as a guy who was actually looking to draft him as the number two wide receiver at Arkansas, like, actually be willing to draft him in leagues... I don't know. This kind of hurt my stock for him just a little bit in terms of his impact for this upcoming year. Unless I start hearing news out of camp and everything that he might be the one or two guy at Oklahoma, which obviously then I'll put him back up. So Yeah, I have high hopes. I think uh, with the Lincoln Rally offense and with Spencer Rattler, what we saw towards the end of the season when he finally uh, polished his game and looks like he's ready for his breakout year. Um, I'm excited for Mike Woods. Uh, definitely a, a talented room now, a more talented room now. Oklahoma's up there with Ohio State and Alabama, probably like a tier below. But it definitely it, it will be a, a fight for some targets. But I think Mike Woods, considering the competition that he went against in the SEC, I, I think he'll thrive in the Big 12 with their lack of defense. I mean, although they are getting better as this past year has shown, not all of them are still, you know, up to speed. Mm-hmm. So I think Mike Woods can break out and still be uh, a very good option for somebody at maybe not at a wide receiver too, but if he falls and slips, I, I, I do advise to. Uh, oh, oh, to be clear, I, I wasn't meaning like wide receiver two on my fantasy team. I'm talking about him as the wide receiver two at Arkansas. I was willing to draft him as like one of my backups and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I'll be clear on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. He was not in my top 24 wide receivers um yeah no it it takes a very special system to do that like ohio state or really oklahoma but even still oklahoma we don't know who that number two guy is yet so with all that said we'll go ahead and move on to the second guy and this was the one i know that zayra you were kind of scratching your head a little bit more about and that's jameson williams transferring from ohio state to alabama so you went first last time so i'll get my thoughts here I don't think it came to anybody's surprise that we saw wide receivers transferring out of Ohio State because that room is just loaded, loaded. And it did not help. Well, again, I'll phrase carefully here. It did not help that Chris Olave came back for his last year. I, I, I think if Chris Olave had left, you would have seen some of these guys that are rumored to be transferring out of Ohio State probably a little bit happier with their situations, 
looking like they might get some more targets and playing opportunities. However, because he's back and because he is a known commodity on Ohio State, he's going to get all the pretty much all the reps I believe he got last year. And so I think guys like Jamison Williams kind of read the writing on the wall and said, all right, listen, if I, I'm not going to beat Garrett Wilson, I'm not going to beat out Chris Olave, I'm not going to beat out Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then you got two more guys coming in, these freshmen, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin, um, why am I, Mar- <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. Thank you. I, I was like, I, I almost said Marvin Williams for some reason. I, 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 my brain froze there for a second. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. It, two of these guys are, all reports out of camp say that these two are phenomenal. They are the next wide receiver duo out of Ohio State. So I'm not surprised by this. However, what I think got a lot of people scratching their head about was him transferring from Ohio State to Alabama. Because a lot of people were like, well, if you thought you couldn't start at Ohio State, why do you think you could start at Alabama? Because again, he, like, it's not like he was like a starter last year. Again, he had nine receptions, 154 yards, um, and two touchdowns last year. And that's not bad or anything like that for a guy who was kind of sitting on the depth chart. But again, I think a lot of people are just kind of surprised that like, they, I guess some people are surprised that he thought that even though he can start at Ohio State, he can start at Alabama. I have my thoughts on this, but I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, Xavier. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, after some time thinking about this, I, um, I'm still confused about Alabama out of all the other choices and um, offers that he got. But, um, you know, as I look back to Alabama, they lost uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Uh, everybody's expecting next up would be, uh, well, obviously, Mechie had a great season. He's going to come back. But then after that, it's um, it's kind of uh, questions and unknown unknowns. Uh, I won't you know slight uh, Slade Bolden uh, where he's a fantastic player, and I expect him to uh, get the start as well too, at Alabama. But then you have a Jai Hall uh, that showed up in the spring game. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, and a lot and Javon Baker who's coming back, and so you have a lot of guys that have a lot of talent, but we haven't seen them you know get the reps or play enough games or the experience. And Jameson Williams, even though uh, concerning he only had like nine receptions for 100 yards, he still was able to play, I'd say, kind of more than these other guys then because you had a Heisman, a guy coming off an injury, uh, Mechie, who kind of showed up uh, middle of the season after Waddle got injured and was like, oh, oh my God, this guy's the next uh, Alabama great wide receiver. That's what everybody's expecting. But mm-hmm. I think Jameson Williams – if he feels confident enough in himself to, you know, beat out some of these, you know, other guys and feel like his talent is maybe a little bit better to win, then I don't fault him. But if it kind of backfires, then that's on him. I, I would have liked to see him go to a, you know, maybe easier room to compete for where he probably would have gotten probably the most targets. I don't know what school I would think of. Maybe like a Florida or a... I'm trying to think of some of the other names that were rumored for him. I should have written this. I should have wrote this kind of stuff down, but... Yeah. Again, regardless, I agree with you on the most part. However, one thing I saw people were kind of discussing was the fact that Jamison Williams provides something for Bama that they're kind of missing with their wide receiver room this year, at least proven guys. And that's a speedy guy. You had Jalen Waddle go off to the draft last year. You had Henry Ruggs the year before that. And you do have some new kind of fresher guys coming in this season, like JoJo Earl. Um, got Leary coming in as well. And you got, but again, they're freshmen. They're not proven guys yet. And I think. The, the only reason why Saban even let Jamison Williams come onto the roster, and you got to remember this is a two-way street. Like the, They have to offer Jamison Williams the, the scholarship at the end of the day. So I think the only reason why Bama offered him the scholarship was that the fact that they are missing a guy like that. 
and I think he can provide like a different uh, a different tempo for that offense to run in outside of Mechie, outside of whoever the running back ends up being. I think um, be it Robinson, McClellan, or even uh, Roydell Williams, who's now kind of popping up a little bit. So again, I'm excited to see what he does this year. I'm probably not drafting him though until I start seeing some actual production either in fall or in um the actual games later on in the season. I won't be I won't be drafting him preseason, definitely. And so the last guy we got here that we will talk about is Nikosi Perry, uh who's been in the trans in and out of the transfer portal a little bit this past year. I think there's a little bit of stuff going on with him trying to finish up school and then like after he finished up school, then he entered the transfer portal again. Regardless of all that he is transferring from Miami and he's moving on to Florida Atlantic. So Xavier, I know you kind of adopted Nikosi Perry as like, or you adopted Miami last year as kind of your ACC team that you're going to root for. So what's your thoughts here about Nikosi Perry? Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a bad quarterback uh, in no, in no regards. I, I think, um, Derek King was obviously number one. Nobody's going to replace him even uh, after the injury. And then with Jake Garcia coming in and Manny Diaz having so much faith in him, I, I see um, – I understood why Nikosi Perry was going to leave because, as we saw in this uh, – we'll get to that later, but Jake Garcia had a, sh- a day for the spring game and showed a lot of promise for that program. But Nikosi Perry, in, in no regards, is a bad quarterback, and I think this is a good move, especially for a Florida Atlantic team that – was on, honestly, uh, you know, normally they are under, underwhelming, to say the right. So now they have, you know, maybe Nikosi Perry will be that energizer quarterback to, you know, maybe put up the stats. They probably won't win that, win that many games, but I'm more just the, uh, I'm more, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the word. I'm more excited about the production that he could provide with the uh, Atlantic team. Uh, trying to remember, they, they had a running back last year that was pretty good, and I think they have maybe one wide receiver I was interested in last season. I don't know if they moved on or if they're still there, but I think Nikosi Perry has some weapons there for him to use, especially in that uh, conference. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad you kind of just immediately went for the fact that Nikosi Perry really isn't that bad of a quarterback. I think a lot of people are kind of still stuck in the 2018-2019 seasons where he was kind of battling back and forth between first of all injury but also just they couldn't just like Miami could not decide for the life of them whether or not they're going to run with him or Jaron Williams for a couple of years there and so like if you look at his, his stats from those seasons they're kind of middling like 1,091 yards 13 touchdowns 6 interceptions in 2018 2019 he had 1,041 for 8 touchdowns and 3 interceptions like these are not numbers that inspire anybody however the game I do want to point out was this past year in the bowl game against Oklahoma State. Derek King goes down, I believe, like, what was it, like halfway through the first quarter, at yeah. the end of the first quarter. It was pretty early on in the game. They throw Nikosi Perry out there. And, again, like, not like a huge game by any means, but 19 for 34, 228 yards. That's the most he's ever done outside of one game he did in 2019 against Virginia Tech. He threw for two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. I think he's a very solid starter for a smaller school like Florida Atlantic. I think he'll do good things for them this upcoming year. Um, he does have to kind of compete with uh, the incumbent starter there, uh, Tronti. But I'm, I'm actually looking up the receiving from last year. And it doesn't look like he, there's anybody that really stands out in terms of like number one guys. But I, I feel like 
Nikosi Perry is the kind of guy where if you put some, if he if he can find some talented guys to rely on, he can absolutely thrive this next this next upcoming season. Now, in terms of drafting him for fantasy and everything, I'm not quite there yet with him. Again, I need to hear good things out of camp. First of all, I got to make sure he's a starter, but also, yeah, I'm I'm probably I'm gonna probably hold off drafting him for now. But he would definitely be a name I would want to consider coming in for the waiver wire going into the season. Is that where you're at, kind of Xavier? Or yeah, you got a different opinion. Same thoughts. Perfect. Then, all right. So I'll name some other honorable mentions, some other interesting transfers that have happened recently. Um, Xavier, if any of these guys kind of pique your interest, uh, we'll discuss them a little bit more. But so uh, Stephen Carr, just today, uh, transferred from USC to Indiana. They're starting running back from last year. Uh, Keontae Ingram comes in. Sounds like Stephen Carr is now out. Um, Shadrick Banks, wide receiver from Texas A&M, is transferring to TCU. Uh, TJ Finley, who started for a couple games last year for LSU, is transferring away from t- um, from LSU. No real rumors about where he could possibly land. Uh, Joe Milton, uh, quarter- starting quarterback last year for Michigan in their first game, is now transferring to Tennessee. Ches Melusi, a running back on Clemson's depth, one of the a higher running back on Clemson's depth chart, is transferring away from Clemson, and the rumor is he's looking at Wisconsin. And then the last one here is Jordan Johnson, a wide receiver from Notre Dame, is transferring to UCF. Do any of those names kind of pique your interest, Xavier? If not, we can definitely just move on to the spring games. I know the uh, Stephen Carr uh, transfer is a little bit, uh, piques my interest a little bit, considering mm-hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of people rave about him when he came out of high school. They were like, he's a very talented guy. I don't think he was rated that highly. but No, yeah, he's a five-star. He was a five-star, really? Ooh. He was a five-star. It's quote. So a lot of people are excited about him going to Indiana uh, with that uh, with their program being on the up and up, uh, being a real legitimate contender in the Big Ten, you know, with Ty Freifogel and Michael Penix Jr. If he can win that starting job, then that offense looks a lot more interesting. And, you know, Stephen Carr looks a little bit more interesting on draft boards, possibly on my draft board. Now I have to hear some things that I can't, but. I was there's, there's, there, there's some other names there at. Uh, Indian. I can't for some reason I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I, um, there's some other running backs there. I believe it's very possible they could go running back by committee uh, this upcoming year. In which that's if that's the case, that's very unfortunate. Uh, but I do think Stephen Carr does have the the talent pedigree in order to possibly be a name that you look out for in the portal that or in your drafts there. So. With that being said, unless you got any other names, by the way. All right, cool. With that being said, let's move on to the beef of today's show. And that is the rapid reaction to all the different spring games going on this year. And so how this is going to work, you can see if you're watching on YouTube, there's a timer up there in the top right corner. Each of us is going to pick a spring game. We are going to take three minutes to describe what we think is the most important aspects of those games. If we finish before the three-minute timer is up, we can absolutely ask the other hosts to kind of give their thoughts on it. And so, yeah, it will kind of go, uh, kind of drive, kind of draft style. We'll go back and forth. Um, so I'll start first, and I think it's only fair to begin. I think it's only fair to begin all of this with the reigning national champions, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts on their spring game. So some things that kind of stood out for me for the Alabama spring game. First of all, just on a side note, mic'd up Nick Saban was awesome. Like actually getting to hear him coach on the field was worth 
every bit of watching that entire game. Um, some other things that stood out to me: Bryce Young, clear number one quarterback. There is no there. Like I, I saw some people being like, "Oh, Paul Tyson, you never know." No, 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 no. Bryce Young is the number one guy there. Um, some of the guys that kind of stood out with all that, like obviously, I think almost everybody's seen the Ag or Ajay Hall highlight reel that he put on during that game. Uh, he went. Uh, for four receptions for 72 yards. He didn't get a touchdown. There's actually very, very few touchdowns in this game um, um, that happened on there. In terms of the wide receiver core, again, Mechie was out. So you had some of these younger guys kind of get their chances. That's where we got the Ajay Hall highlight reels and everything. And I, do, I don't think he will be a full-time starter this upcoming year, but I do think he'll probably be one of those guys that's too talented to keep off the field. Uh, some of the guys that do expect to kind of start again Mechie as you mentioned earlier Slade Bolden will be up there uh, another guy that another name that kind of popped up to me that I hadn't really heard about before the spring game I'll be honest uh, Treshawn Holden dude went nine receptions for 89 yards in this game and definitely almost got himself another touchdown if it weren't for just a drop ball at the very end so I think he could absolutely be a value this upcoming season and the other thing was the running back room I wish we could have seen Brian Robinson Jr. out there he was unfortunately out for the game and I can't Chase McClellan looked like the most talented back out there but I want to see him compare to Brian Robinson who's going into the senior year I want to see how those two compare because those two are the ones that everybody's kind of debating so those are my kind of thoughts on this Xavier you have any uh, additional thoughts in this last minute here yeah I, I will say I, I disagree with you on Jai Hall I think uh, All right. even though yeah uh, I will I think he will be a full-time starter this upcoming fall I think like you said he's too talented to be off the field and from what you I've wanna, seen you want some water you know, for that fire you're throwing there a wide receiver you know it's not it's not unheard of at Alabama so I you're think right Jalen Waddle. yeah and I think he has the talent to uh, show for that uh, he uh, from what, I remember when I was watching the spring game they said he came early to school and as soon as he got to campus, he uh, he's been working on his craft and was by far probably one of the most talented receivers that they had. So I think Nick Saban notices that. They have a whole entire spring and summer to work on uh, his craft. And I think he will be primed to be, you know, moving his way up the depth chart of that wide receiver room. But I think he will get the start uh, come fall. But that's kind of like everything I'll... else you hit on, the, uh, hit on the nail. So I'll disagree with you slightly again on Ajay Hall because you have to remember he was on the second team. This wasn't Bryce Young throwing to him. This was Paul Tyson. This was Barker throwing to him. So clearly he hasn't moved quite his way up on that depth chart quite yet. Now, again, clearly he has the talent. All right, I'm out of time for this round. So, Xavier, which team are you going to discuss? We're going to go our alma mater. We're going to go with Georgia. Oh, it I feels have... good to say that. Oh, All right. man. So, what Reset uh, timer. Go. Well, uh, first off, JT Daniels uh, is going to be a great quarterback. Again, if, with a full season with Georgia, uh, he's gotten more comfortable with the offense. He's calling his own plays, making his own changes at, changes at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's getting more comfortable and getting used to a Todd Monken style of offense. Now, with uh, with the Todd Monken style of offense, it's more of like a more spread offense, uh, different things. So wide receivers are becoming more relevant. We're still using our running backs really well. But getting to our passing game, uh, tight ends, Georgia with Darnell Washington is going to be a monster for Georgia to say the least. Uh, six seven two. They they call they say he's two eighty. He's listed at two sixty five. Nobody really knows. He's just one big old bear. 
and he will <laughs> run on you over, block you, score a touchdown, do anything. But an interesting thing about the another tight end that we have, and it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's Brock Bowers, freshman coming in this year. Um, look, uh, looks really polished already. It looks like uh, um, damn near looks like a receiver out there as to how fast he's running these routes. So I'm really excited to see that, and that might be an option for either you know the future, a campus to can or a dynasty type league, or even this upcoming season. We we really don't know. This offense just looks so new, but obviously these guys are working on this all the entire summer. The running back room, obviously, it's just one of the deepest, if not the deepest in the nation. You have James Cook coming back, Zamir White, Kenny McIntosh. A lot of people are excited about Kendall Milton, uh, Dejon Edwards. So you're just stacking it up with five great backs. But I will say Kendall Milton, uh, a lot of people are high on him and expect him to uh, leave Georgia with rushing yards at the end of the year. Zamir White is always going to be a reliable back. James Cook might be a little dual-type uh, running back with receiving and uh, rushing. So. That's one to look out there if you're in a PPR type league because he will get those receptions. Um, yeah, I'm trying. Oh, let me move on to the wide receivers. Oh, uh, well, as we all know, George Pickens tore his ACL, and it's. Uh, I'm hearing good news that he might be able to come back by week four. I don't know about all that, but you know, it's something to look have some hope towards. But uh, we still have. Um, oh man, why am I blanking on the receivers that we have? Well, you got Adonai Mitchell who yeah, broke out in the that, game. I was like, we have another guy. We oh, have uh, Jermaine Burton. There you go. Uh, he he uh, sprained his uh, – he hyperextended his knee, so he wasn't able to play. So we put a lot of uh, young guys out there, and they produced. Uh, one standout freshman that I'm excited to see this season, Adonai Mitchell. So it looks like he could replace that – he has that George Pickens-like uh, body where he has the limp for it and is able to go up there and get it. So I'm hmm. excited to see what uh, his, him and JT's connection. And also, I need people to stop sleeping on Kyrus Jackson. I know he's not the flashiest guy in the world, but dude gets receptions and rarely, and I mean rarely, drops the ball. So he will get be able to get touchdowns and receptions and yards at the end of the day. All right, you took up all your time, but that's fine. I'm going to yeah. mention two tiny things that I think uh, should be mentioned here. Uh, first of all, Darnell Washington is – to me going to be a reliable tight end for you and your fantasy football leagues this upcoming year like this year so redraft leagues campus canton whoever you have get darnell washington i think he's going severely underdrafted in most leagues uh brock bowers like you mentioned earlier Xavier, like he, you can get him for cheaper if you're in a dynasty or if a c2c league um another thing is the surprise for me was that i was expecting a battle between carson beck and brock vandergriff and while i still think they're both very talented to me, I was surprised that Carson Beck really seems like the, the QB2 for Georgia right now, at least exiting spring. That could change over the fall, over the summer and everything. But like, it looks like to me, like the, guy, the next guy up on that depth chart will be Carson Beck, which I'm happy to hear about and everything because the dudes worked hard. So he also kind of proved to me that it's not just JT Daniels that's improving the passing game, it's just the entire system because he threw for 236 yards and two touchdowns. And he was split in time with Brock Vandegrift. So... We'll move on from Georgia here. I'm gonna go ahead and go to the school in Ohio. Oops, forgot to take off the Georgia logo. There we go, I'm going to Ohio State. So let me get my notes out here for Ohio State. So the big one I was, the big thing I was looking for here is of course what everybody else is looking for. This is that QB battle between CJ Shroud, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord. So I will kind of read off their stats here real quick. JT Shroud went, or CJ Shroud, why did I say JT? 
CJ Stroud went 16 for 22, 195 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Jack Miller went 17 for 30, 228 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. Cal McCord went 12 for 17, 184 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. So things I kind of put out there. To me, CJ Stroud looks like the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you got, uh, I think the, probably your next guy up is Kyle McCord. I'll be honest. I, I like what I saw out of him. I think he's, I think he earned that five-star pedigree. I feel like he's kind of one of those, for, one of the forgotten five-star QBs from last year because nobody expected him really to start this year. Cause you had like Ty Thompson who could beat out Anthony Brown. You had, um, Sam Heward who could beat out Dylan Morris. You had all these other guys that, or Caleb Williams. Uh, who was the number one guy, Brock Vandergriff, who could come into Georgia. And I think Kyle McCord kind of got lost in the shuffle from all those highly ranked quarterbacks. But he has a legit shot to win this job. I do think it is a legit competition there. Again, if I had to put money on it, and I do, or with who I draft, I would draft CJ Shroud right now. But I'd say probably the only one there, I again, they say it's a three-way battle. I don't see how that's possible with Jack Miller right now. Not saying that he should transfer or anything like that, but right now I think he has a long way to go compared to the other two to earn that starting job. Uh, other thing here, again, I wish wish Master Teague was out there. I want to see him play. Uh, Travion Henderson, the freshman, five-star freshman, running back they just got this year, looks great. And then they are L-O-A-D-E-D, -E loaded at receiver. It is ridiculous. We discussed this earlier with Jamison Williams. They're, it's crazy how much they got. I just realized I never started the timer for this. So I'm going to assume I'm out of time and just move this over to Xavier. Xavier, what you got? Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. The, the wide receiver room is loaded. I think CJ Stroud, uh, Stroud has the starting job coming up this season, but the backup, uh, his name always eludes me. You just said it a few minutes ago. Jack uh, Miller? Jack Miller uh, definitely seems like that number two role, uh, that number two quarterback. And, Ohio State's doing a great job of recruiting quarterbacks. They have so many other guys coming in next year, and as they got Quinn Ewers coming in next year, yeah, it looks it looks like they're getting prepped for something. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm excited about Xavier Henderson. I really did want to see Master Teague play to see what that would look like to see if Master Teague has that job unlocked. But it's fine for now. We'll just wait and see and hear more news out of camp. Sounds good. All right, your turn. Who, which team are you going with now? We're going with the U, Miami. All right, let's go Miami. And I'm going to reset the timer this time. Go ahead. Okay, with Miami, uh, they started off the game with uh, second-year quarterback uh, Van Dyke. And he didn't disappoint. He was a, he was very, I wouldn't say, he was above average. He wasn't a, a terrible quarterback. But the real news is Jake Garcia. Freshman, the kid's supposed to still be in high school. He came a year, he's coming in a year early to be in the program. And, I believe he threw for 225 yards. 255. Uh, 252 yards. 19 of 25 uh, passing. So he's very efficient, got the ball down the field. I'm excited to see more out of him. I heard, uh, know USC is probably, you know, feeling a little bit upset because they had him in their hands and he just left. So, or decommitted. And my many Diaz saw the talent in him and snatched him up. But I really want to get on to one other guy where he disappointed me last season, but. I'm starting to get intrigued a little bit more again this year, and that's Charles Rambo, uh, transfer from Oklahoma. So I think that's going to be a really. Uh, I haven't seen him. Uh, I haven't seen him that much in a lot of drafts so far, and I think he's a very uh, sleeper pick for a lot of people. Uh, I know Mike Harley. A lot of people view Mike Harley still as the number one role, and I do as well. But 
I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't count on Charleston Rambo if, if it were a situation that if Charleston Rambo is the number one receiver there. And they have a few other receivers that are, uh, you know, being brought on and brought up so that Miami is looking a lot like the old Miami of the early 2000s. Jalen Knighton is, uh, had the most, had their only touchdown of rushing and Cameron Harris uh, had like nine carries for not that many yards. So, you know, it would probably be more the same like last year where um, I don't know how they'll start off because Cameron Harris started off hot, but now Jalen Knighton seems to be that go-to guy. And they also have, um, Ooh, what's his name? Uh, My boy, Don Chaney Jr. He yeah, was out yeah. of the game. I was very disappointed so, with that. We'll see how Miami, uh, you know, goes uh, uses their run game this year, but I, I'm really excited about their pass game. I'm very excited. Oh, sorry, I, I don't mean to step on your toes here. You got anything else? No, that was it. I was laying on you. I knew you had. All right, cool. Time. Yeah, I'm. I'm extremely excited about their passing game. But here's my problem: they got a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. Believe it or not. Uh, we, we mentioned earlier, you got Charleston Rambo, who I do think actually is kind of becoming my guy for this offense because this is not the only time he's had seven receptions for a good amount of yards because in the scrimmage before the spring game, he, had about, he reportedly had about seven receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. In this game, he had seven receptions for 74 yards, no touchdowns, unfortunately. But even still, like he's clearly that guy getting lots of receptions every single game. But on top of that, you got Mike Harley, who's kind of everybody's guy who they're drafted right now. But on top of that, you got Mark Pope. Uh, Kayshawn Smith and Xavier Restrepo are two more guys that have kind of popped up for this offense. To me, it's quickly becoming to where, again, there's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. And so it could become a very frustrating situation if you own one of these guys where some weeks you could get more than 20 points, some weeks you're getting nothing because it seems like they're spreading the ball around a lot. Uh, the other thing I you we kind of touched on is earlier. I wish Don Chaney Jr. was in this game. I I wanted to see what he was looking like because I think he's probably the most talented back they have on that field, on that team right now. So I'll go ahead and move on to my next game because our timer is up. And so goodbye Miami and hello the Bayou of LSU. Uh, I I feel like Xavier wanted to touch on this one. <laughs> so all right. I'll go, I'll start with the wide receiver situation. That's Keishon Boudé. And dude is electric. And to me, he's kind of solidified himself in that top tier wide receivers this year for CFF with um, David Bell. I Again, I, I've, some people call me crazy. I know Xavier calls me crazy, but I legitimately consider him in the exact same tier as... Um, as David Bell, if not a little bit higher, I'll be honest. Because again, to me, this offense is probably going to score more points than Purdue's offense. But regardless of all that, the other story of all this, of course, is the quarterback battle between Max Johnson and Miles My- Brennan. And I-, I saw some people putting out some weird stats and everything, so I went and I found the actual stats of this game. Max Johnson went 11 for 17 for 180 yards and two touchdowns, um, including long passes of 45 yards and 47 yards. Miles Brennan went 12 for 20, 116 yards, one touchdown, and a long of 39 yards. So, watching the game, it felt like Miles Brennan, I'll be honest, was having the better day. But as soon as I went back and looked at the stat sheet and everything, I kind of realized that, yeah, technically, stat wise, Max Johnson had the better day, which is, again, it just adds this confusion of who's going to be the starter and everything. Xavier, I know you kind of planted your flag with Max Johnson. I've I've kind of planted my flag a little bit with Miles Brennan, but like the more the deeper and deeper we get into this and everything, the more just I'm not sure who's going to end up winning this battle and everything unless one of them transfers. 
And of course, like you have all the rumors about one of them, one or the other transferring out of this if they don't win the job. So I imagine Ogeron is going to push this battle as late as he can because he doesn't want one of these guys to transfer over the summer. Um, so let's go to my thoughts there on the on the situation. Of course, you're seeing like I've, I'm looking to ADP right now with Miles Brennan dropping, Max Johnson's rising up just a little bit, but even still, like it's getting to the point where both of them are just undraftable because you don't know who's going to win this job. And I honestly don't disagree with that. Uh, there was a breakout star, in my opinion, and that's John Trey Kirkland. Uh, again, I, everybody was talking about Keishon Boudet having 131 yards in the first half of that game, which, again, ridiculous, awesome. Dude's going to be a star. Everybody seems to miss the fact that John Trey Kirkland went six rece- 16 receptions, 209 yards, and two touchdowns in that game. Like I think everybody kind of missed that. Like LSU seems to kind of have their next guy up. And so he's kind of the breakout star there. If you're looking for like a late round guy, I would not I would not be I would not be upset with you if you just took John Trey Kirkland as a late round guy for your team. And then rushing um Tyrion Davis Price, who I think is going to be the number one back on this offense this upcoming year, played, he looked really good. But again, John Henry Jr. is out, so I don't know what that carry load is going to look like split between the two of them. I want more information. Give me more information for my spring games, God damn it, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? I know you got thoughts on LSU. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll just re-solidify my Max Johnson hype train at the end of the year where I was like, I don't think he's going to lose that job just willingly, and I don't think anybody expected him to. I was like, you beat Florida in a really close game, and you, uh, you close it out, even though it came down to a shoe. Which is always still going to be funny, but um, yeah, I, I like what I saw to Max Johnson, and um, with that receiving room, like you said, with Jenkins having 16 yards for, over, I mean, 16 receptions for over 200 yards, I, I think it's still David Bill at that number one tier. It's like, it's, who else is there at Purdue that's really going to challenge him like that? If you're telling me there's another guy that's able to get 200 yards at LSU, I, I mean, Milton Wright's a name that comes to mind, but I. I know you're not super high on him, but still. Uh, man, that's 200 yards and two touchdowns. It looks like it's taken away from my receiver. Now, Keyshawn Butte is a not a transcendent. It seems like a transcendent wide receiver where. But even really still, 100, 100 and, 130, 131 yards, or uh, what do you actually have? No, 160, 162 yards in this game and one touchdown. Yeah, another touchdown was another long touchdown that was taken away. To me, this offense is something that can produce two wide receivers. I'm not entirely sure about that with Purdue quite yet. Oh, I mean, I just all I need is just one. If I can just get David Bell to do what he does, then that's all I care about. And if I'm, fair enough, fair enough. So. We need to we need to push that discussion for a whole episode in and of itself. I feel like. Oh, yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on from LSU here, Xavier. Which team are you going with next? We'll go with uh, North Carolina. All right. All yours. Yeah. Uh, so we move up to North Carolina. Uh, Sam Howell, without all his weapons, all of them are gone. And there were a little Literally all of them. suspicion. Like you lost Daz Newsom, you lost Deami Brown, you lost Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Like those are four guys that produced in your offense. I don't think there was probably there was only one other guy that probably scored points in your offense from last year that actually did something meaningful. And that was uh, Josh Downs who actually had a great game this game, which I was uh, happy to see. And Sam Howell still looks comfortable, uh, you know, behind that O-line and with uh, Josh Downs. And uh, I know Jared mentioned this earlier. Uh, UNC is producing a nice little running back room. Yeah, I so mentioned that on the Campus of Canton podcast, which you should go listen to, by the way. 
Yeah. It was so, a fun episode. You would see with Matt Brown and what uh, his philosophy of uh, how he wants to run the program with what he's doing and Ty Chandler coming in. I think UNC is not going to drop off as much as, uh, you know, people suspected after uh, the end of the season. I think it will be a little uh, growing pains and some process to, you know, get used to these new guys and getting that experience in actual game time situations. But I think Sam Howell is still one of the best quarterbacks in college football and still will be able to produce at that high level. Ty Chandler is an experienced uh, upperclassman, so I think that will be a nice little safety net for him. But I'm really excited to see what Josh Downs does, and I think he's going to be that wide receiver number one for North Carolina, and I can't wait to see some other guys pop up as well, too. Jared, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, again, like you re- you reiterated earlier, I, again, and I also mentioned this on our Campus Kenton podca- podcast episode that we were on, this running back room is a lot deeper than I thought it was. Uh, you got plenty of names coming in. Like Ty Chandler is the name everybody's looking at this year, and rightfully so. Dude's extremely talented, and it looks like he got – almost the bell cow role on that first team offense. But I think that's also because there's so many talented guys behind him in Josh Henderson, Elijah Green, DJ Jones, Caleb Hood. So many of these guys back there, they're trying to figure out who's going to be the number two guy. And I think all of them can be, and all of them are talented enough to do it. Like, it's not like a, you're looking at the rest of your guys and you're like, oh, who do we have to put behind Tyler? It's like, no, who do, who do we get to put behind Tyler Chandler? Like, there's so many good guys on this running back room and they got a great uh, O-line or not. They got a great running backs coach after Alabama hired theirs away. Everybody thought like, oh no. But then they went and hired like a two-time national recruiter of the year to be their running back coach. And I'm like, that's incredible. Um, like you said, I'm happy to see Sam Howell just pick up where he left off. Um, trying to think anything else that I would want to mention for this game. Uh, yeah. Last thing would probably be uh, Drake May behind. Sam Howell looks to be the next guy at North Carolina, and he's going to be probably just as incredible as Sam Howell. He looks awesome. So, any last thoughts, Xavier? Or you, you nah, could... I'm just ready to see who you got next. Hopefully, you don't take my team. This, again, this is just like a draft. Oh, just yeah. like a draft. Well, I'm going to go down to the big old state of Texas. Oh, okay. We're gonna take. I'm gonna go to the Texas spring game here. Don't have a super ton of things to say about here. Again, the big story here was the quarterback battle between Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. And while both, I think, had their highlights of the day, I think both had. I think both were giving it their all, and the problem really came from the receivers rather than the quarterback play itself. Like obviously, like again, both of them made their mistakes. Both of them. Both of them had their ups and downs, but again, it was just so many drops coming from these wide receivers. Um, and there's also just so many of them to where they're trying, again, it's kind of like the Miami situation for me. There's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. Unfortunately, these mouths tend to be spitting the ball back out uh, with their drops, but it's like, I don't know, there's like no clear number one guy. If I had to put a stake right now, I would go Jordan Whittington, mostly because of just the talk that... Steve Sarkeesian and just the entire Texas organization has been talking about this guy. And it sounds like he's developing good chemistry with both Card and Thompson. Um, trying to think at the, I'm trying to think of anything else I'd want to mention here. Uh, Bijan Robinson is going to be great. Like, dude was electric on the field. They didn't play him a super ton because why risk injuring him? Because he might, I'm not going to say he's going to carry this offense, but this offense will run through him come the fall 
and he's going to be fantastic. He's going to be one of your top fantasy guys this upcoming year. Um, and I don't tend to talk about kickers very often on this show, but I just want to say, Cameron Dicker hit a 63-yarder in this game. So I'm just saying. Just saying. All right. Any other thoughts for you, Xavier? I once again realized I did not set the timer. That come out. No, you're fine. Uh, I think you hit everything. I was just waiting on the Bijan. I was like, look, that's that's my guy this year. I think I, I have him rated as the number one back for me personally. I know a lot of people are, you know, still thinking Baris and uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, but I, I like the upside of Bijan this upcoming season with Sarkeesian. Yeah, he's my he's my running back three right now. You just mentioned I I do have um, Brees Hall and Mo Ibrahim rated above him. Mostly because, again, the coaching change is kind of the big tiebreaker there for me. Not entirely sure how he'll be utilized. I imagine he'll be utilized better, but I need to see it to believe it. Yeah. So, all right. That does it for the Texas game. Xavier, where are you moving on to next? Oh, man, we're going to go to their nice little Red River rivalry. We're going to go Boomer Sumer, Horns Down. Sorry to all our Texas fans out there. We're going to go with the OU and Lincoln Riley's team. Uh, Real quick before you get into this, can I just point out it's amazing the fact that they incorporated the horns down into the OU logo. Can I just point that out? Like, I, 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 I've been looking for a chance to talk about that on this podcast because that's amazing. That is pettiness at its best. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. All right. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're good. Timer reset. Yeah. Um, so what I got from this game is Spencer Rattler looks like he's ready to make that leap uh, for next season. He's going to be one of those top quarterbacks taken either in the first or second round. I'm pretty sure he's not going to make it past the first, considering the weapons that he has and the talent that he has. The interesting story that I'm excited about is uh, the running back room, and it's Eric Gray and ooh, Kennedy Brooks and a few other – well, actually, a few other guys have been released from the team, so now it's really just going to be Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks and maybe – some other guys down the depth chart, but those are the two main guys. And Eric Gray, like I uh, kind of suspected in the beginning when he made the transfer to Oklahoma, I thought that would be – I thought it was a godsend for him. I thought that was the perfect situation for him to go to, considering what I saw at Tennessee. And not to say his talents were wasted, because he still showed up and sort of carried that Tennessee team, even though it wasn't to wins. They weren't getting – well, they were still getting blown out, but, like, they weren't losing in embarrassing, embarrassing fashion. It wasn't was Gray's fault. I was going to say, it wasn't Gray's fault that they were losing. Yeah, it was not. It definitely – Gray did his job. And I understand why he wanted to leave and go to a better program because he felt like his talents were just being, you know, maybe not maximized to the greatest potential and probably wasn't going to be looked as uh, hard as some other players. So I think this is a perfect situation. He had a great day. Uh, definitely looks like that number one back. Uh, Kenny Brooks, one year removed from football. Looks like he's been removed one year from football. So – We'll see as more time goes on, you know, if he can return to form. But I, I think that it's going to be an interesting backfield. But I, I 100% am into Eric Gray. And I think everybody should, you know, buy the stock in too because he's going to be a monster in fantasy, I believe. I think he's going to be one of those top-tier backs uh, if things go the way I suspect him to with the Lincoln Rally system. Another good thing about uh, OU is their wide receiver room. Like we mentioned earlier with the transfer with uh, – now they have Mike Woods, they have Marvin Mims, and they have a five-star freshman, which I'm excited about, Mario Williams, who showed up and acted like he's been there for two, three years now and ready to go into the draft. I'm like, man, this dude looks amazing. And a lot of people are speculating that he could be, uh, you know, a true freshman of the year type candidate or something like that of that nature. And I, I don't doubt them for what I've seen and for what I've heard. He's a five-star wide receiver coming in. So if he lives up to the hype, then 
man, Oklahoma is a dangerous team to look out for, especially on offense. So uh, I think I left you 30 seconds, Jared. I know you probably want to say some more. Yeah, my it seems like my hopes and dreams of Kennedy Brooks making a comeback of the year performance have kind of gone down the drain for the most part. He barely got carries in this game, which could be due to injury, but also, like again, it seems like Eric Gray is going to be that guy for Oklahoma. The other name I want to point out here is Caleb Williams, freshman, five-star, number one overall recruit in the nation, and good God, he deserves it. I like We saw Bryce Young a little bit last year. We saw... Like to me, Caleb Williams might be the best freshman quarterback since Trevor Lawrence. Just the way he was running that Oklahoma offense. Now, granted, it was a simplified version of the offense and everything, but you could you could feel the confidence oozing out of him. You could feel like this man was running that offense like like you were talking about with Mario Williams. Like he'd been there for two to three years already. Like he did not look like a freshman out there. He looked like a guy who was ready to take over that quarterback room that day, even over Spencer Rattler, in my opinion. Like, he looked that good, and I was very, very surprised by that, just how good he was. So, yeah, those are my kind of thoughts that you hadn't touched on quite yet. So, we'll go ahead and move on from Oklahoma, and let's go to the West Coast, and let's go to the University of Oregon so my thoughts here let's make sure i set the timer this time there we go all right look at me improving setting the timer for real this time all righty so a couple of notes i wanted to make about the oregon spring game first things first quarterbacks look a lot better than i thought they would i'm not gonna lie they got themselves a pretty deep quarterback room there anthony brown seems to be the guy that's going to be the starter at least leaving spring camp again there's plenty of opportunities still for that competition to kind of open back up a little bit, but he got a lot of the first team reps and he's also like a six year guy. So I imagine that uh, Mario Cristobal is going to value that experience that he brings to that locker room probably more than anything else at this point. And you got Ty Thompson and, and uh, Butterfield kind of developing there behind him. So I think if you're going to draft a quarterback from Oregon this year, you need to go with Anthony Brown. Um, Running back situation, C.J. Verdell, once again, another running back that they just kind of kept out of the game. He got limited carries in this game, so I would have liked to have seen a bit better like what kind of carries he'll be getting. Um, but again, that's not even the guy I want in the Oregon running back room. That's Travis Dye is who I want because he gets tons of receiving work as well. And he's almost too talented to keep off the field at this point. So I say draft Travis Dye over C.J. Verdell. Um, the real... Surprise story of the day for me was the wide receiver room they have at Oregon. Xavier, you mentioned Devin Williams as a sleeper um, a couple weeks ago on our Sleepers podcast, but they got a room there, man. Because again, you got some veterans like Devin Williams, like Johnny Johnson, uh, the third, I believe. And you got guys under coming in behind them like Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton. Micah Pittman, they got some serious depth going on there at Oregon. And if you're in a C2C league, definitely grab guys like Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, maybe Michael Pittman as well. Like, I don't see Devin Williams or Johnny Johnson doing anything this year to where they're going to be a value in the future. And I don't see, I again, this room's, this room's going to have a ton of mouths to feed. But as soon as I think guys like Devin Williams, like Johnny Johnson kind of get out of there, Troy Franklin 
and Dante Thornton are going to be some serious, serious fantasy assets to be owning in the in the near future. Uh, anything else I got? Yeah, basically what I was just already saying, where it's like if any of these guys separate themselves from the pack in this wide receiver room, they're going to be a huge fantasy asset this upcoming season. You got 30 seconds, Xavier. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, not much to really say. I'm just uh, – I'll speak on my hopes. I really hope that Ty Thompson wins the job. Uh, I love Anthony Brown Jr. I think he did well in the, uh, towards the end of the year. But I think Oregon is in desperate need of that uh, next prolific quarterback like a Justin Herbert or Marcus Mariota. And I, I believe that Ty Thompson has the skill set to do it from what I've heard out of uh, him coming out of high school. And, you know, he wasn't – he had, didn't have a terrible spring game, but obviously he's still new to campus and doesn't know the playbook fully and still getting acclimated to uh, college-level uh, competition. So, But if he does uh, end up maybe one of these days uh, or maybe one game in the season where he ends up with that job, then I think Ty Thompson would be a great waiver wire pickup if they decide to win, uh, go that route because I believe Oregon – and it, I think the Pac-12 championship is going to be between Oregon and Arizona State or uh, one of those two teams. Okay, so you're like me, and you're you're kind of out on the whole USC hype a little bit. Uh, a little bit, mainly because of their defense, but I, I believe in Keaton Slovis. I don't. <laughs> All right. Regardless, we'll move on from Oregon here. Xavier, what which team you pick it up next? We'll go with Texas A&M. All right. Well. Uh, Stick to we go back to the SEC um, and see what's up with Jimbo's team. Yeah, overall, um, it was it, it it was a very I would say uneventful day to where a lot of questions were still led to where what who would be I mean Haynes King can he be that guy to replace Kellen Mond? And he's not he he doesn't like he doesn't look like he's gonna reproduce or even get close to Kellen Mond's level. Now I could be wrong. It, it was only spring, and he has an entire summer to work on his craft. And that that that's a ringing endorsement right there. Can't get even get to where Kellen Mond was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. So, I mean, Kellen Mond came out of high school, five star, great guy. Uh, so it, it's definitely different. Kellen Mond, I, I will say, had a great season last year, and I think we should respect that. And he did end up getting drafted in the third round. So. Obviously, there are some believers out there, and Haynes King has a lot to uh, live up to, so we'll see. But I think the big story is a lot of people were having maybe not sort of hesitations, but they kind of understood what Anaya Smith was. But now I feel like Anaya Smith is moving towards the majority of that receiving role instead of just, you know, being a dual threat of a receiver and a running back. Now, he did run the ball a few times, which, you know, back to older ways, which is also great for any league because doing rushing and receiving attempts. But him as a receiver definitely puts him in that upper echelon of uh, receivers you should get uh, pretty early, I would say, around that like fifth or sixth round, maybe even fourth, if you're in desperate need of one. Because I think he's just that talented to where he can do so much in the field. Now, I will be excited to see and hear more of the camp or Demos that's coming back from suspension, former five-star, see how he works out with the team. Um, the running back room is in great hands. We did not get to see A-Chain play, which I was a little bit disappointed to see, but Isaiah Spiller is going to be just fine. Uh, I know he had some nagging injuries late in the year, but uh, he looks he, – uh, he'll have the offseason to, you know, nurse those and get those back to health, but still looks like a prolific running back and one of the uh, top guys in uh, the running back room for this upcoming year. So I think that's uh, – so far, it, mainly about the team. Uh, oh, yeah, J Jalen Wademeyer still a top uh, tight end, 
you know, to go after. He'll definitely get drafted probably next year. So I, I think he's uh, that efficient at what he does to where he gets targets and touchdowns. So. Yeah, um, I, I agree with most of all what you said. Again, the no A-chain thing, again, I, I feel like I've done nothing but complain about the fact that running backs weren't playing in their spring games this podcast because that was such a theme this year of just like, oh, well, this guy's not playing, I guess. I guess I don't get to see that. Well, we did find out our our, our collab, collab with uh, Campus to Canton with the uh, last time we were with them. Yeah, A-chain's uh, a track A-chain, star. Yeah, so that we found out that A-chain was uh, at a track meet, so... It's not like a question of health, but it's just the fact that oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. he's a multi-sport athlete. And, you know, I like my running backs, you know, running track because if you're on the break in the open field and nobody can catch you because you're running, you know, 100 meter in less than 10 seconds, I really want you on my team. Yeah, this is fair. Again, once Isaiah Spiller goes off to the NFL next year, like A-Chain, like I'm usually a conservative guy in terms of like, oh, I need to see it to believe. I've seen enough with Devin A-Chain. He's going to be a monster. Uh, last thing with AM, you mentioned Anaya Smith, and I liked what I saw. Specifically, what I really liked, he's getting deep targets. Uh, the end, the last drive for the Maroon teams, he got three straight deep targets in the end zone. So that tells me he, they are fully committed to having him be a factor in the passing game, which I think is going to be huge for if you want to get value out of him as a wide receiver. So we'll go ahead and move on from AM. And let's see, where could I go next? There's a lot of good teams still available, and we are running out of time relatively. Um, let's go to, you know, I, I mentioned them earlier. We'll go to UNC or, or USC, the Trojans of USC. So, a couple of things I wanted to mention here. Um, so, in terms of the quarterback situation, Keaton Slovis is still obviously the guy. And I think you're looking at Jackson Dart becoming that next guy up. You had Jackson Dart come in at the same time as Miller Moss, but Miller Moss is lost as far as I'm concerned. Um, he definitely looked the worst out of this group. And to give you an idea of how, what his date was like, Xavier, if I ever told you a quarterback had 2.6 yards per passing attempt or 4.8 yards per passing completion. That that tells me that this coaching staff does not trust him at all. And if you got Jackson Dart, a fellow freshman who is providing much better numbers than that, Miller Moss does not look like the guy who's going to be the next man up coming into the next couple of years. Again, I mentioned earlier, I'm not quite as sold on this USC offense as some people are. Now, Drake London, I do think is still going to be a fantasy a fantastic fantasy asset, but I'm also not going after guys like Gary Bryant Jr. or um, or uh, Brew McCoy. Or again, as much as I love him, Taj Washington, I'm not quite going after him yet because I don't see this offense as a team that'll be able to to keep up with more than one wide receiver. And I think for right now, Drake London's that guy. Um, I would have mentioned Stephen Carr, but he is transferring so now all you have left is Keontae Ingram but again this is an air raid offense you're not going to see them use you're not going to see them use Keontae Ingram in a rushing capacity too much now he can catch out of the backfield and he did have a really nice catch for about 50 something yards if I remember correctly in the game but also again I I don't know maybe maybe I'm I'm just being uh maybe I'm just being negative here but I'm just not sold on this USC offense Avery what are your thoughts 
I think I'm solo. I'm not going to, you know, uh, go based off of one spring game. I think Slovis showed, uh, you know, even though, as I see now, that JT Daniels was obviously the better quarterback out of that room before he transferred. I think Hedon Slovis is not uh, in no capacity, like, you know, that much worse or just a, a severe drop-off. I, I do view Hedon Slovis as one of those top quarterbacks in college football, and a lot of people have him you know, maybe going off to the draft next year and being a high pick. And I believe in his arm. I've seen it enough to where I'm like, look, I, I know what you can do. And your completion percentage is off the charts to where I believe he had 70% last year, but only playing really? like maybe six games. So obviously that would go down more because of the COVID year. And now and also year. because almost all of them were for less than 10 yards this is the Jake Fromm syndrome. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I like my quarterbacks to where, you know, they don't make too many mistakes. I know his first year was kind of rough, but now, as we see him now, he looks a lot more polished. And I think with the weapons that he has and what USC does usually with wide receivers, I think they have a good coach in that room to, you know, maybe produce one or maybe two guys out there. Hopefully that would be like a Taj Washington. Drake London is fine. But um, I believe uh, Michael Jackson uh, the third, I believe, or it's just Michael Jackson? I think it's just Michael Jackson Jr., Michael Jackson Jr. Uh, is going to be an up-and-coming receiver for that offense as well, too. So You I'm might say he's a thriller of a player. Oh, my God. Puns. Yeah, we need to ban those immediately. Ban those, ban those on the show? All right, I'll write that. I'll all write that. puns immediately. I'll, I'll write that down for the for any guests in the future. No puns on the show. Xavier will hunt you down. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on from USC here. Xavier, which team are you going with next? We'll go with – I'm surprised you didn't go with them before USC. I was going to go uh, – well, I guess I'll take them from you. I'll go Ole Miss. All right. And their logo real quick. There they are. Yeah, Ole Miss or, you know, Ole Piss, whatever you want to identify them as. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, there's an expletive yeah. on the, this podcast. <laughs> go ahead, uh, sorry. Matt Corral is, you know, obviously going to be that starting quarterback. Uh Luckily, this is fantasy and not like me actually evaluating a quarterback for their true draft like position or capital, what they're worth. But, you know, Matt Corral throws the ball a lot in that lane kit and offense, and he uh, he gets a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Now, we'll not speak on his interceptions because some leagues don't have interceptions. Now, I am of the different uh, of the other opinion where I believe interceptions should obviously count, but that's neither here nor there. Matt Corral had a great day. Uh, he threw for 12 completions on 19 attempts for 208 yards and two touchdowns. Now, the big story is with their receiving room, uh, a lot of people don't know who their number one receiver would be after Elijah Moore would leave. And it looks to be that it's Braylon Sanders. He had four catches for 135 yards and a touchdown. That's probably more than like their next three uh, guys on the blue team combined. Actually, it definitely is. It's more than every other guy that played or got reps on the blue team and on the uh, red team. So it's just insane. But we are still waiting. Jacor, there is a, a caveat to that. Jacor Pearson did not play. So a lot of people are still believing and hearing good things in the camp that he can become that Elijah Moore replacement because of the, his skill set. So that will be interesting to see. But, you know, it's not unheard of to have two wide receivers, you know, have great years. You know, Alabama's done it before. Uh, Ole Miss has also done it before as well with DK and AJ Brown, you know, barring their injuries. Um, so it's not out of the question. And I feel more confident with those two guys 
you know, at first I was like, maybe it'll be Braylon Sanders and John Domingo. Like John Domingo still a reliable day. He didn't have the greatest showing, but he showed me what I needed to see to where I was like, you know what, you could still have a similarly year to last year. He had a touchdown. It was two catches, 15 yards. So, you know, at the end of the day, he still, you know, scored points and put points on the board. And I won't count him out, but I have to see some more out of the offense to see how Jacor Pearson does. But I'll leave the rest of Jared to speak on this. Y'all, stop trying to convince yourselves that the number one receiver on Ole Miss will be anybody but Braylon Sanders. We saw him take over last year after Elijah Moore opted out of the rest of the season. Matt Corral seamlessly transitioned to him as the number one wide receiver. And guess what happened again in the spring game? Braylon Sanders gets a touchdown over 100 yards. This dude is going to be the fantasy relevant wide receiver on this team if you want somebody who is like guaranteed. Now, Jonathan Mingo is a deep threat, but again, he is going to be a guy who's going to be seeing less targets. Now, he might get more yards per target, but even still, you're gonna, I, like you have, to me, you have to go Braylon Sanders here. Jacor Pearson is the only one that where I'm like, okay, maybe. But again, I've just seen too much chemistry built between Matt Corral and Braylon Sanders to where I can't ignore it anymore. Braylon Sanders is my number one wide receiver on this offense, and I'm going to rank him accordingly in my rankings which means he's probably going to be up there in my wide receiver two, wide receiver, like high wide receiver three range easily. So those are my last thoughts there. Um, Xavier, any more thoughts before I move on? Nah. All right. Well, if you are going to take Ole Miss, I am then going to take, this actually is not related at all. I don't know why I'm trying to transition here. Um, I want to go to Florida State. So Florida State had their game kind of earlier than almost everybody in which there were a couple of things. It was one of the first ones. So again, I got to really kind of zero in on this game. And again, the big thing, once again, I was looking for is the quarterback competition that was going on with Florida State. Uh, Mackenzie Milton went six for 11 for 96 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Travis went eight 14 for 115 yards and one touchdown. Not a big difference between the two. That didn't really answer any questions there. Although to me, with Mackenzie Milton still being kind of hampered by the injury just a little bit, I do I still think he has a higher upside. And I've seen what he could do at an offense like UCF. And to me, I'm like, you have to go with Mackenzie. He's gone in a year. Jordan Travis will probably stick around for another year. At least go with the guy who provides you the higher upside and you don't have for very long. Regardless, that's just my opinion. Um I still like I I, I like what I saw out of both of them. Um, the big surprise for me out of this game was the two freshman receivers that kind of popped off in this game, Malik McLean and Joshua Burrell. There were a lot of hype coming in with these two coming into the program. There are two, like, these are guys Mike Norvell recruited. This is not somebody that he inherited. And it sounds like that they fit his system perfectly. And they are going to probably be big time contributors very early on. The big name that wasn't already there because he hasn't been on campus yet was Andrew Parchment the wide receiver coming in from kansas who is a very talented wide receiver and i think will be in the starting lineup this upcoming year but these two freshman receivers mclean and burrell i think are going to provide tons of value kind of going into later this season like pick them up off the waiver wire as well as for future seasons whether you're in campus canton or devi or just a dynasty league in cff uh one last thing i wanted to mention here was the running back room there wasn't much to gather on it. And again, I'm not drafting any of these guys. It seems very by committee kind of approach. 
the big surprise to me was the fact that DJ Williams, the former running back for Auburn, who transferred to Florida State, had a really bad day. Like, really, really bad. Like, I think it was like six carries for eight yards. Dude had a very, very rough day, and it's a shame for him. hope he gets better. But, yeah, that was kind of my big surprise. Xavier, you have any thoughts on this game? Uh, not too much. I didn't get to uh, explore this game uh, extensively. I just remember seeing some highlights and looking at Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis where I feel like they'll start off the season with Jordan Travis because it feels like they're still kind of nursing that Mackenzie uh, Milton injury where, you know, mm-hmm. even though and usually in spring games, you're not allowed to test the quarterback, like he wasn't allowed to have any sort of pressure at all. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, so we'll move on from Florida State here. Finish that one just a little bit early, but that's okay. Xavier, which team are you going with next? I'll go with Auburn. Auburn, all right. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, to start off with Auburn, uh, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, were kind of worried about Tank Bigby and his uh, end of the year. He had some lingering in- injuries, but the spring game he looked he looked good. So that's one uh, great thing to look forward to, where he's a top deck in this upcoming year for. Uh, in the entire country, and I'm excited to see what he does with uh, more production, and especially in a new offense. Um, now, on to Bo Nix and the wide receiver room. Um, I don't know. It's it's confusing because you're losing Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz, two great receivers, and you're kind of leaving me with, you know, a lot of question marks about, all right, I know Bo Nix isn't the greatest quarterback. It, I, I wouldn't even – I would never draft Bo Nix. I would never pick up Bo Nix on a, wa- a fantasy waiver wire, no matter how many yards he rushes for or how many like Houdini trips he escapes out the pocket. I just won't do it because I know what Bo Nix is and I'm sticking to it. But there seems to be, you know, this con- uh, this growing interest in the, him and Elijah Canyon, his receiver uh, for next year, that Elijah Canyon seems to be the standout receiver that, you know, will most likely be getting a lot of the targets and, it has piqued my interest a little bit, but I, I, I will hold off for now. I, I will say for people maybe in a campus that can or a dynasty, you know, whoever ends up taking over Bo Nix's job in the future and Elijah Kenyon maybe can produce with like, you know, overthrown balls and can catch up with Bo Nix like passes or can get used to things like that, then, oh my God, Elijah Kane is going to be amazing and is probably going to be the second part of that offense behind Tanks Bixby. So, it's not much to say, but it, it does pique the interest. And, in, you know, I'll keep a close uh, watch on it and hear some more things. But for most part, it just sounds like Bo Nix is, you know, still what a lot of Auburn fans know him to be. And I guess they're okay with that. It's where he's dual threat. He can do a lot more than his legs than he can with his arm. But also he has a very good arm, just not very accurate. So hmm. yeah, that's all I have to say, Jerry. Do you have anything uh, more to comment on? Yeah, no, I didn't have I didn't have a ton of notes for this one. I, this is kind of one one that was uh, hoping that you would take, and you did. Um, basically, take big big is still good. What else do you want me to say? Dude's gonna be electric this year, and then Elijah Canyon is gonna be that best bet at wide receiver if you want to draft an Auburn wide receiver this upcoming year. Uh, again, if you're me, I'm not going to Auburn wide receiver room right now. But if you do and you really want to, Elijah Canyon probably the best bet there. So. We'll go ahead and move on to the next team. And I'm going to go Boston College. This is a game that I actually had a ton of interest in because there are two names on this team that 
if you don't know them by now for CFF, you really need to learn them very quickly. And that's Fo Jerkovic and Zay Flowers. The I do believe that Phil Jerkovic is one of the best values you can get in fantasy this upcoming year. I do believe this offense, and I can't believe I'm saying this because last year I picked Boston College to finish last in the ACC. Um, I thought they were. I, I thought it was going to be rough. They, it looked like they were having a real hard time, and then Phil Jerkovic came on. Turns out he's one of the best quarterbacks maybe in the ACC, and then Zay Flowers blew up as well. In this game, Phil Jerkovic went 14 for 20 for 196 yards and two touchdowns. And those two touchdowns were hooked up between him and Zay Flowers within the last like maybe three to four minutes of the second of the first half. Like, it, it, you know that meme where like you have the guy kind of playing video games, he's leaned back and everything, and then like it shows him like leaning forward just a little bit. That's exactly how it felt at the end of the second half with Phil Jerkovic and Zay Flowers. They kind of leaned forward a little bit, and once they did that. They can hook up on these touchdowns so quickly. And I love that connection between him. Like, if I can get that sack, Zay Flowers and Phil Jerkovic, because they're far apart enough in fantasy for you to grab both of these guys. So to me, if you can grab Zay Flowers and Phil Jerkovic, it's an incredible stack to have for this upcoming year. I love what I saw out of them. Uh, the other name I'm going to put on here that I think is just one to watch, maybe not for this season, but for upcoming seasons, uh, Taji Washington. No, Taji Johnson, not Taj Washington. Taji Johnson. Uh, he recorded seven catches, most of any receiver in this game for 63 yards. So he didn't get like not many deep shots or anything, but he absolutely is somebody I think you, we should be watching for the future. So Xavier, do you have any thoughts on this game or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I knew uh, I knew early on that who Zay Flowers was, and I, I thought you know maybe with a better quarterback he'd be you know. Fantasy relevant and elite, but Phil Jerkovic surprised me last season. Like uh, he did a lot of people, where Jared had him kind of Boston College coming in last, and I may mean, have not had them coming in last. It felt like there was probably some worse ACC teams, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad Boston College is being recognized for what they have, and Phil Jerkovic taking it to that next level, and you know being an actually decent quarterback that a lot of people are putting put on notice to. So. I'm excited for their future. Um, Zay Flowers can move into. I know he's moved a lot up in a lot of the ADPs, and uh, he's probably being looked at in that wide that wide receiver two range, maybe even wide receiver three. In so. ADP, he is currently being taken as a wide receiver two. He is the seventeenth wide receiver off the board yeah. usually. So. I, I'd say believe in the hype if you haven't watched Boston College in the past. So. Yeah, I, I personally think Zay Flowers could be a first-round receiver next year in terms of the NFL draft, so I think he's that talented. All right, Zay, move on to your next pick. This will be your second-to-last team to talk about. Okay, we'll go with Arkansas State. All righty. Yeah, we'll go a little bit out of the way. Is that the right logo? That is Arkansas State. State. That is Arkansas Real. State. Wow, okay, very creative. <laughs> Um, I couldn't yeah, find Arkansas a PNG State, for their Wolf logo. Yeah. Um, Arkansas State, it's, um, it's a little bit interesting because Jonathan Adams Jr. is no longer there. So uh, you're just left wondering who will be that number one receiver. A lot of people believe it's Corey Record because he had that amazing game towards the end of the season. And he showed that in the spring game. And I, I'm really happy for him. And I, I don't blame people for wanting to uh, buy, into that, uh, buy into his stock. But I think a lot of people are forgetting, like um, – 
a lot of people forgot. Uh, I, I'll relate this to Minnesota's uh, wide receiver room, where a lot of people were just so infatuated with Rashad Bateman that they kind of forgot about Alton Bell and, at times. And I feel like it was the same way with the Arkansas State, where Jonathan Adams Jr. was obviously clear-cut, amazing, could do no wrong, fantasy relevant, did everything for you. But Jeff Foreman did not lag behind that much. And a lot of people are forgetting about him. And I think he deserves a lot more credit as well to where I think it's a legit discussion of who will be that uh, that better receiver. Now, I think Corey Rucker has the better talent and is probably, you know, riding the high of last season and can continue the uh, upward trend. So I think Corey Rucker has a higher ceiling. But in terms of consistency, I like Jeff Foreman. I feel, I've seen uh, – I know it's Corey Rucker's freshman year last year. But that, besides that game, he really wasn't much, like, there. Jeff Foreman, I had about four or five hundred yard games, so I like to see that. I like that that trend of what I saw. All right, I am. I'll, I'll talk about Corey Rucker and everything because he is kind of the big guy on this team. I know some people want to draft Lane Hatcher. I'm not sold on Lane Hatcher as a QB yeah, right. there, so I'm not. I'm not quite going there yet. I'm gonna look up Corey Rucker's stats or stats real quick because. I think you're a little bit wrong on that. Oh, the, uh, oh no, no, you're you're not you're not entirely wrong. It's only his last game where he went 300 yards and everything. Um, so yeah, never mind. Yeah, I, was, like, I thought I could prove you wrong there, but yeah, regardless, I, inspiring. I do think that Corey Rucker will be the the most fantasy relevant guy this upcoming year because in this spring game he did he was a leading receiver again. He went for over 100 yards and a touchdown, I believe. Can't remember the stat off the top of my head but again to me it kind of sh- it just showed that he will be the number one guy this upcoming year regardless of how good the, Q- the qb play is he's going to get targets he's going to get value so i think he's absolutely worth um being drafted i wouldn't draft him as high as he's being taken right now because i think right now he's being drafted let's see Corey rucker yeah he's the 20th wide receiver off the board and he's usually drafted before the end of the fifth round which to me that's a little too high for him right now but I do think he is going to be a fantasy asset this upcoming year. And I wouldn't be surprised if you were also right about Jeff Foreman. I do like Jeff Foreman. All right. So we'll go ahead and move on from Arkansas State for my last uh, spring game that I want to talk about here. And I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. There's a lot of good teams left and everything. But this is a game that kind of stuck out to me for a team that also kind of stuck out to me. And that's the Illinois fighting Illinois. Yeah, Xavier's eyes went about as big as dinner plates right there. I think that was about the last team on earth he expected me to name right there. But I do want to talk about this game as soon as I can find my notes for it. I just had it. Where'd it go? So it's right here. So the big thing is here, this was starters versus backups. So the, the, the starting offense went against the backup defense and the backup, de- the backup offense went against the starting defense. So the scores are a little lopsided. The final score of this game was like 65 to 15. Like it wasn't close. But there are a lot of names here that I did want to talk about. Chase Brown, running back there. Uh, he was starting running back last year. He's going to be starting running back again. He went 80 yards for two touchdowns. I think he's going to absolutely be that number one guy who they're going to be going to for this offense, especially in a Brett Belima offense, who always wants to run the ball first. Um but also you got two more you got two other running backs behind him, Reggie Love the third and Chase Hayden, who I believe in the future are going to be great running backs for this program. 
The other, there are two more names I wanted to talk about here. One was a receiver in, uh, first of all, this is a great name, Donnie Navarro III. He went about 131 yards in three, or 131 yards in this game. No touchdowns, unfortunately, but he did, um, like, clearly was the number one guy that was being targeted as much as he could have. And the other one, and Xavier, this is a ghost of Christmas past for you right here, Luke Ford, the tight end for the Fighting Illini. He had five receptions for 88 yards and one touchdown in this game. And they were talking about on the broadcast that he absolutely deserves more targets. He absolutely deserves to be used more in this offense. And I would not be surprised in a Brett Belima offense who likes to keep things on the ground with short passes and everything if Luke Ford does get more targets as the season kind of goes on. So I'm putting Luke Ford out there as a tight end that is worth drafting. Especially if you have like a solid tight end for your first guy, Luke Ford to me is absolutely worth that backup or the second tight end worth being taken for your team. So Xavier, you have any thoughts there on this game? I imagine you may not have watched this game. Yeah, but. definitely wouldn't not have this game on my radar, but I'm glad that you've taken uh, the time to look at this to where Illinois might, they might, they might have something besides, um, I believe it's Chase Brown, right? Is there running back? Yes. Okay, yeah. Besides Chase Brown, I thought there was nobody else or not, nothing more to look into. So definitely great insight for that. All righty. So, again, those are my thoughts on Illinois. On, on Illinois. I kind of want to go off the beaten path there a little bit because that was, that was just a game that I didn't expect to stick out to me, but it did when I watched it. I was like, wow, there's a lot of good stuff to kind of be taken from here. And if they can actually run the offense like they want to this year and not fall behind in games and have to pass. I think this could be a very fruitful fantasy team, possibly, especially on the ground game. So, Xavier, you got the last spring game here. Make it a good one. We'll go with Cincinnati. Cincinnati, all right. All right, what you got to say here, then? Yeah, uh, Desmond Ritter still looks great. Uh, definitely one of the top quarterbacks to take. Uh, he's, I, I suspect... I, I remember last season going in when I heard Cincinnati might be a top four team in the nation or Cincinnati could possibly do some things. I was like, there's no way. You're telling me an AAC team? Like, no. You're, 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 you're crazy. But Cincinnati, you know, kept on winning their games. They basically went undefeated in their conference until their bowl game, and, and they met Georgia, which they had a great game where they pushed Georgia to the wire, which I did not expect to happen. Desmond Ritter looked amazing. The defense was great. But in the spring game, Desmond Ritter just picked up where he left off to where he still looks like he's going to be, you know, that guy using his legs and his arms, where another big question last year was, can he be accurate and use his arm, which he proved. He proved. And now for this season, I think he's just going to expound on that and just try to get himself drafted to where, you know, he could have gone out this year and still would have probably been, you know, drafted a lot higher than a lot of people would have suspected maybe a year ago. He probably would be the starting quarterback on the Texans right now, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they have, uh, you know, Jerome Ford is going to be a great back for them because they're losing dokes or is it the other way around? I believe. Losing uh, dokes, Jerome Ford is saying. Jerome yes. Ford will be a, a very good back for them. Um, they have another receiver, uh, senior receiver, that is going to be reliable. Uh, oh, man, I just lost my notes. I believe his name is Michael Young Jr. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great receiver for them this year. Him and uh, Desmond Ritter already have that chemistry, and him being a senior and having that priority. But they have a few freshmen coming in that are uh, 
tearing heads as well. So Luke Fickle has a lot to work with this offseason. And definitely, I know they're expecting to have similar or even, even better results than they did last year where, you know, I didn't even think it was possible for a group of five team to have playoff aspirations or just any type of, you know, uh, outside of group of five success. So I think Cincinnati for what the conference that they're in and the style of like where they're moving and with their program, there, there's a lot of talented players on that team from the running back room, the wide receivers, you could probably find like one or two this upcoming season. Obviously Desmond Ritter is going to be fine. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll name one more name here and that's Josh Wiley, the tight end dude is absolutely worth getting drafted onto your team. Um, Desmond Ritter does like his short passes to the tight end and I think he will absolutely be a red zone target for them and then you kind of briefly touched on the fact that you didn't know if it was possible for a group of five team to have playoff aspirations this team absolutely does and should they look good they look like a team that's ready to take the college football world by storm and they have the schedule this year to do it in my opinion if they go undefeated this year and if they go undefeated this year I will switch sides on the whole playoff thing because I'm one of those guys that defends the playoff. I'm like, no, the group of five teams have not had a good enough schedule to where they shouldn't they shouldn't be even considered. If Cincinnati goes undefeated this year, beating Notre Dame and Indiana, two very good teams, they absolutely should be considered for the playoff. And if they aren't, I will rage against the playoff system just like everybody else. They absolutely deserve it. Yeah, so, I'll start pushing for expansion at that point. I'm not there just yet, but... Yeah. So, yeah, there's, God, I don't even know how many spring games we went through, but there's even more that we wanted to cover that we just couldn't really have time for today. Otherwise, this would be a forever and a half show. So, I mean, some of the some of the games here that we missed that we would want to talk about, like, I wanted to talk about Arizona. I did like that game. Arkansas is a big one. Georgia Tech was another pretty big one. I, th- I feel like we could have touched on Louisiana Lafayette. Oh. What was that, Xavier? Utah and Nebraska. I would say Utah and Nebraska, Tennessee, uh, yeah. South Carolina. Um, you said Nebraska already. Washington and Washington State. Uh, Vanderbilt has some good inform- information. In it. But if you guys want to know our takes on some of those games and everything, please feel free to DM us or just just add us on Twitter. Like We'll be more than happy to give you all our takes. It's just unfortunately, we're already at an hour and 25 minutes and we don't want to keep you guys here all day long. So, yeah, spring games are in the books. We got some lot of lot of good information out of them for this upcoming season, and now we're really moving in towards draft season and just setting up your leagues and everything. Fantrax just announced recently in this past week that college football leagues are open again. You can renew your leagues and everything. So I've been busy kind of setting that up, asking my league mates like what they want to do, what they want to change, and everything. So. I imagine that's something we're going to be touching on here real soon. And yeah, just another another year of spring games in the book. A lot of good information. Xavier, got any more thoughts? No, I uh, agree with everything you said. A lot of good spring games. Uh, we'll definitely talk some more about draft uh, since it's draft season. I know we haven't, uh, I know it's probably about that time to where, you know, we haven't touched much on defenses just yet. So we'll probably get into that next episode. But yeah, every uh, it's been a blast having this show with you today. Um, I feel like we touched and got around to a lot of good players and a lot of good teams. So, yeah, and one thing I definitely want to touch on is soon is I've been compiling an ADP sheet, 
and I'm I'm fixing to start setting up in an ECR ranking sheet, which if you don't know what that means, ECR is expert consensus rankings. And so I'm fixing to start setting those up and I want to start seeing where like the differences between average draft position and expert consensus rankings. And then I want to, I maybe want to get an expert or two on here and let's like, let's discuss our rankings versus their rankings. Start figuring out like what, like, start figuring out all these differences of opinions or hashing it out so we can be more and more prepared for the season. So yeah, we got a lot of good stuff this up, up, upcoming year. Uh, Xavier and I got a little bit more time on our hands now that the semester's over. So we're excited to bring all this exciting content for you guys. So is there any more things or are we good here? Nope. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on all podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, I know I'm probably forget YouTube as well. Uh, we really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and tell us, you know, how we're doing. If we want us to touch on certain subjects, don't forget to DM us or just leave in the review and give us five stars if you enjoyed the podcast. But we really appreciate all the support that y'all have given us so far. There's a sneaky little rumor out there that if you leave a question in your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that that answer, that question and answer will come at the forum on the beginning of one of our episodes. So. But that's just a rumor. That's just a rumor. So, alrighty, Xavier, I appreciate you having on having you on again today, man. And uh, yeah, let's go enjoy. Let's go enjoy the summer, and we'll see you all next time.